One of the great things about attending in-person conferences, such as PyCon, is the hallway track, where you can catch up with people you haven't seen for possibly a year, or maybe even meeting people in person for the first time. Nina is starting something like the hallway track, but online on Twitch called Python T. And this episode kinda is like a hallway track with Nina and myself catching up. We've had her on the show before, once in 2018 and once in 2019, but she's been up to a lot since then. So we talk about a lot of stuff, including live coding on Twitch, online conferences, Python T, Python on hardware, Adafruit, CircuitPython, tricking out your command prompt, and working from home, and a lot more. This episode of Testing Code is brought to you by ConfigCat.com. ConfigCat feature flag service lets you release features faster with less risk. And by Python Morsels, level up your Python skills with challenges and expert advice. And by listeners like you that support the show through Patreon. Thank you. Welcome to Testing Code, because software engineering should include more testing. Welcome to Testing Code. Um, on today's episode, I have Nina Zakarenko. She's uh, been on two times before, so I'm welcome her back. But if people have just catching, just starting listening, uh, the last time she was on was last April. So, um, Nina, who are you? My name is Nina Zakarenko. I work at Microsoft as a cloud developer advocate focusing on Azure and VS Code and making our tools and services uh, better and easier to to work with for developers everywhere. Well, that's that's pretty cool. But how has that changed since um, in the last couple months? Uh, developer advocate, I think you were traveling a lot before, weren't you? Yeah, I was never... Uh, huge on traveling, but I did do quite a few in-person events. Actually, my last event was one that I helped organize, and I didn't realize it would be my my last, probably for this year and, and maybe for next, but that was Pi Cascades back in, was that February? Yeah, it seems like, a, like forever ago now, but it was just a few months ago. Yeah. It Weird. was just a, a different lifetime, right? Yeah. Yeah, I was definitely a little bit freaked out about my job at first because, you know, in-person events were a big part of it. But I feel like uh, myself and my team and my organization over the past few months, we've really been uh, adapting to what the world looks like at the moment. And so that means more virtual content. We can we can talk about live streaming in a moment, uh, more video recordings more spaces to connect, more events that are being organized. And, um, you, you know, we're still, we're still learning lessons. It's, we're not 100% of the way there. There are still things that are missing from in-person experiences, but, you know, we're, we're getting there. Yeah. I, I, I will say that I've been very, very busy. Well, yeah. So um, one of the things you're doing is uh, live streaming. So let's jump into that. How, yeah. So how did, why did you start? And, and uh, is, this, is this something you just wanted to do yourself or is this part of the developer advocate thing? No, it, it's something I wanted to do myself. And I, the timing was right, I suppose, because I got started back in 
uh, I want to say the end of January, maybe early February. And uh, I did it because it, it, it looked interesting. Um, Suze Hinton is a fantastic live coder who has been doing it for a really long time. And she was a huge inspiration for me. And it, it seemed like a new way to uh, be able to do my work while actually interacting with an audience and being able to take questions. Uh, for me personally, it's also been really good motivation to work on some side projects that might not have otherwise seen the light of day. Because when I say that I'm going to work on a particular project and folks show up to hang out and to watch, then I have to do it. <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah. I committed. Yeah. I was going to work on this plugin, but I, I think I'll just work on some, like, you know, some email. No. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah. So are you, I was always, one of the things I'm curious about with Live Coder is, and it's probably lots of answers to this, but is the stuff you're working on, is it, is it new or do you practice it once before you do the live version? No, I don't uh, practice it at all, which, you know, people get to see my, my process. <laughs> there have been streams where nothing is working and the whole stream is me trying to debug or troubleshoot or fix a test or whatever. And that just reflects what writing code is actually like. I yeah, feel like if the, I did practice it, it would just be sugarcoated. That's true. There's a, it's a good reality check. I never thought about that as of using a live coding in um, sessions as a way to see how what people's day to day job looks like. Um, yeah, yeah. Co coding is a lot of headbanging, not it is. not the rocking kind, but the uh, against the table <laughs> kind. So, and. At first, making mistakes was really terrifying, you know, making mistakes in front of an audience and imposter syndrome and, oh, everyone's going to think I don't know what I'm doing, but it hasn't panned out that way at all. Folks are really friendly and supportive, and sometimes they help me troubleshoot. And, you know, it, it's kind of fun in the way that pair programming can be when you're working with someone that you gel with. Yeah. Except you're pair programming with many Oh, that's an interesting idea. Yeah. Yeah. Neat. So you announce, you kind of pick something you're going to work on and you announce it ahead of time then? I generally, sometimes I work on hardware stuff, sometimes circuit Python projects. Uh, over the course of a few streams, I built a mechanical keyboard from scratch. Oh, wow. So that was really fun. But lately I've been working on uh, a Flask app. So writing Python, I think I'm about two or three weeks away from being able to deploy it. I, I'm not going to go into too much detail because we still have so much to talk about. But if folks want to tune in, they can catch me at twitch.tv slash NNJAIO. And I stream twice a week, generally Mondays and Thursdays around 4.30 p.m. Pacific. Okay. How long are your stream? How long do the sessions go? Uh, it depends. Uh, usually between an hour and two hours. Wow. Okay. Um, that's a that's a chunk of time that you're committing to this. But if yeah. it's, if it's projects you wanted to work on anyway, that's that's cool. Yeah, and it it helps me commit to to writing code because you know developer advocacy is is not quite one to one with the engineering jobs that I was used to having, and okay. I really yeah. have to carve out the time to 
So keep while, it skills up. While you're coding, there's or while you're doing this, there's chats going on, right? Mm-hmm. That's what that's the part that I I was worried about. That if I were ever to do this, um, I mean, coding is a very focused exercise sometimes. Trying to interact with a chat at the same time, is there is that is there difficulty there? Uh yeah, I would say that my first few streams were very awkward. <laughs> okay. You know, as I was trying to juggle it, but you adapt. And um, the thing that I had to come to terms with was whatever I was working on, it would take me longer. You know, sometimes I just wanted to, I thought I would be productive or just get this feature out there, or get this test out there. And it doesn't really work that way. You can't have the interactivity and be super productive. But the interactivity is what makes it fun and it's what both keeps me coming back and the folks who watch my stream coming back and we've kind of started out started up this really nice little community of folks who like Python and have a lot of shared interests. Uh, I have a Discord server that I started and it's just it's really lovely. Oh, that's cool. There's the ways for people to learn if they wanted to try. So this is definitely on my someday maybe list of uh, adding this to the pile of stuff I'm working on. Yeah. It took me a while to learn and get proficient. And I very slowly built up my my gear that I was using and how fancy things were. So some folks, I feel like, try to do it all right out of the gate, get the fanciest lights and all the best gear and the nicest camera. And you really don't need that. You just need a reasonable microphone and okay lighting, right? That makes a really big difference. And then you don't need to know everything about the software. You can really just build as you go if you decide that it's something that you want to stick with. Okay. And, and it's, a, it's not expensive. There's, there's um, Most of the stuff's free, right? Not the gear, but the like the software and stuff. Not the gear, yeah. But Twitch is free. Okay. You don't have to pay to stream. Yeah. Thank you, ConfigCat, for sponsoring this episode. ConfigCat is a feature flag service. It has a central dashboard where you can toggle your feature flags visually. You can hide or expose features on your application without redeploying. You can set target rules to allow you to control who has access to new features. Easily use flags in your code with ConfigCat libraries for Python and nine other platforms. Get builds out faster, test in production, and do easy rollbacks. Release new features with less risk and release more often. With ConfigCat's simple API and clear documentation, you'll have your initial proof of concept up and running in minutes. Train new team members in minutes also, and you don't have to pay extra for team size. With the simple UI, even product managers can use it effectively. Whether you are an individual or a team, you can try it out with their forever free plan. Or get 35% off any paid plan with special code test and code, all one word. Release features faster with less risk with ConfigCat. Check them out today at ConfigCat.com. Um, well, so the, another thing that we're doing now from our laptops instead of in person is uh, conferences. Yeah. Um, and so my, my first experience with participating in a remote conference was PyCon. Um, but, uh, yeah. What do you want to talk about with remote conferences? It's a little bit of a weird thing. It is a weird thing. Um, 
I have participated in a, in a few meetups and a few remote conferences, uh, one being PyCon, which kind of decided to, instead of having one live event, they've been slowly rolling out videos and slowly rolling out content on their YouTube channel. And then the other conference that I spoke at was kind of the polar opposite of that. I belong to a team on Twitch called the Live Coders, and we put together a conference back in April, and there's another one coming up in June. And that whole conference was live streamed on Twitch with chat enabled. Okay. So that's kind of the two spectrums, right? Submitting a pre-recorded talk for PyCon and then just doing it live. Yeah, I kind of want to do, I don't know. Um, I, me, as, a, as a presenter, I really liked being able to do it ahead of time. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I enjoyed that part of it, although all of it was new. I hadn't recorded my screen before or recorded a presentation. So learning that was new. But the, um, so I, I, there was another conference that I was, uh, it was an internal uh, co- company conference that we were going to do. And it turned into an uh, one of the streaming ones, like it was a a live stream thing. Although it didn't, that doesn't really work great when you do it around the world because the time zones are weird, right? right. So um, I think that I think both are are a neat idea. But before, like actually, like if even six months ago, I would have thought um, live coding or live or uh, online conferences are a neat idea, but probably aren't going to get a lot of traction. But after this, I think that, I think there are uh, more possibility. Like the meetup idea is a kind of a neat thing because like the, the uh, Chicago Python meetup is they're doing uh, during those and taping them and getting them out there and uh, doing them streaming so that you can, you can watch it live and other, other meetups are doing that too. It's a neat idea that involved that now suddenly it's not just a regional conference or a regional meetup. People everywhere in the world can watch, which is cool. Mm-hmm. And participate. Um, I gave a, a lightning talk at Write Speak Code Seattle. Right. I don't live in Seattle, but I was able to share with their community, and I really enjoyed doing that. Oh, that's neat. That's cool. Um, I, I I think that it'd be fun. So I'm um, as a participant, as somebody giving a talk or or interacting with the the uh, the chat. I think somewhere halfway in between would be fun to do um, like pre-recorded sessions, but have them play out during as if like all of the people watching it, it's a in order thing. And then the person that gave the talk could uh, could be in the chat answering questions while their, you know, their their old self is is presenting. That might be an yeah. interesting idea. Oh, that is interesting. I do like that because during Live Coders conference, you know, while I'm giving my talk. I can't actually keep an eye on the chat. That would just be too much. And so we had moderators pulling out questions from the chat to ask after the talk wrapped up. Oh, okay. That's actually a cool idea. Does does anybody do that with live streaming to have like a moderator hanging out answering while the live streamer? I guess you'd have to have a team of people, at least one other person working for you. Yeah. Yeah, they didn't answer the questions necessarily. They just queued them up for the end. Okay. Cool. Yeah, so that I didn't have to scroll through a whole chat log to look for questions. They're all just kind of there for me, and I could focus on the question instead of the, the process. Neat. 
And so you've got some other things um, coming up that you're going to take this even further, right? Yeah. So for PyCon, uh, folks who've attended in the past know that Microsoft tends to have a pretty big booth and we have awesome swag. And uh, the past few years, we've been giving away Adafruit kits for completing hands-on labs. And over the past few months, we've been working really hard to move that booth experience to a remote experience. Uh, We're going to have a big announcement on June 1st. We're going to have lots of demos available on the portal and hands-on labs. We're also going to have an Adafruit workshop that um, I'll share with your listeners. There's going to be a little surprise there. So I I can't give it away, but I would I would recommend checking out the workshops. Okay, cool. So this this isn't happening on June first. It's an the announcements on June first. Is that right? Yeah the the announcement and and the launch is is going to be on June first. Okay. Until then, though, our our team's on Discord. So if you want to come hang out with us and ask questions, you can do that at aka.ms/python-discord. Okay, neat. Maybe I'll ch- I haven't I haven't done that before. I'll check that out. Yeah, Discord's really blowing up these days. You have some, this idea of uh, doing a live stream with a guest. Can you tell me more yeah. about that? Yeah. So what I really miss about PyCon is the hallway track and just conferences in general. Of I think this PyCon would have been my eighth in a row. Okay. Seventh or eighth. Wow. And. Yeah, I, I've managed to meet so many lovely folks in the community in that time. And, you know, you're, you're walking around the event and you see someone and you ask them what they're up to, what they're excited about, how they've been. And I haven't really seen a, a way to, to do that or experience that virtually. And so I wanted to I wanted to do that for the Python community. And so my goal is to start a weekly chat on Twitch where I'm going to have guests from the Python community come on. Uh, on Fridays, and we're just gonna we're just gonna chat and catch up. I I'll give them the opportunity to share their screen if they want to demo something, uh, and then folks can come hang out with us and chat too and and ask questions. So I'm, I'm hoping to make it kind of a, a little bit like a streamed version of the hallway track, and the the tentative title is Python T. I think that's a really fun idea. Right? Uh, yeah, sounds neat. Yeah, um, uh, a little, um, yeah, because that that's definitely true. I think, and I don't, I, uh, I guess I uh, underestimated the power of the hallway track at conferences, uh, but it's, uh, it's an incredible, it's it's a good opportunity to be able to just talk with people and uh, having, having, um, um, uh, I guess just having some of that be able to be other people to participate in is a good idea. I think it's cool. Yeah. Some impromptu, yeah. uh, see where the conversation goes, show some code off. Um, one of the things I, I guess, a uh, uh, fun thing uh, at the PyCons, people would come up and ask me questions of like, Hey, I've got this testing problem. Can, can you help me with that? And then we would just like, you know, sometimes just grab it, go and grab a table somewhere and try to find a sort of quiet spot. And, uh, mm-hmm take a look at some code and, and, uh, work on things or somebody would show off a cool project. I love that idea. Uh, right. Kind of neat. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Kind of like a, 
live video podcast. Yeah. Yeah, I'll have to try to come up with some show and tell items to like show up. Please, yeah. <laughs> I I would love to have you on as a guest. It'd be fun. Um and uh so the you uh, do you know when you're going to try to get that off the ground? I'm working on getting everything set up. Um I I'm going to say by uh I'm going to say next week. Of course, that doesn't make any sense in in podcast time. <laughs> but <laughs> May May twentieth is my goal. Okay, cool. Well, um, well, uh, the show notes are updatable, so as soon as we have a a way for people to try to get to that, but it'll yeah. be it'll probably be uh, through um, on your Twitch TV N N J A I O. People will be able to right. find it that way, also, right? Right. Or if folks want to follow me on Twitter for announcements, that's generally the best way to keep in touch with what I've got going on. And I'm on Twitter at NNJA. Yeah. Python T has already started. So check out the show notes at testandcode.com slash 115 for a link to the recorded first episode of Python T. Oh, also, fun fact about the show. I was like, oh, this is such a great, unique idea. It's never been done. And I was talking to Trey Hunter about it, who's a, a big part of the Python community. And he was like, yeah, I did something like this for years. Uh, apparently, it was called Python Chat. And he he didn't have the interactive portion of it, but he did a weekly Python uh, webcast for quite a while. Okay. <laughs> so. No, nothing is new, I think is my point. Okay. Um, and then uh, there's a there's a note about uh, uh, VS Code team and the Python team or? Oh, yeah. So I, um, this, this all kind of rolled out of the same idea, but uh, for the, the folks who work on products at Microsoft, it was always a really... A uh, big joyful event for them to be able to come to PyCon and actually talk to their users, right? And meet folks who are part of the community and, and get feedback and all of that. And we haven't figured out a way to do that virtually either. And so I'm setting up a twice a month Q&A for the Python extension for VS Code team. Oh, cool. Yeah, it's going to happen on the Microsoft Developer Twitch, not on my personal Twitch, but I'm going to bring in four members uh, every two weeks who are going to be around to answer questions, maybe give some sneak peeks of upcoming features and upcoming releases. Oh, nice. Yeah. Nice. I'll I'll try not to be a troll. (laughs) Please don't. (laughs) We have moderators. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. There's bouncers at this at this party. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and you, so one of the things you, you brought up about doing your, tw- on Twitch, your, and um, some of your talks have been centered around hardware also. So you, mm-hmm. you play with, um, you play with hardware as well, right? Yeah, I and, do. Yeah. So what, what have you been doing lately? Uh, well, I'm a little sad about this, but this year at PyCon, we were supposed to give out Adafruit pie badges with custom code on them that I worked really hard on. Uh, so unfortunately, that's not happening this year, maybe next year. 
Oh, so the the badge thing that you have on your Twitter profile picture is that the thing that mm-hmm. you're holding is a is a pie badge. Okay. Yeah, I I have a, a whole repository. If if someone does have a pie badge, they can try it out. Um, there were Easter eggs and a little menu of different options that I kind of wanted to encourage folks to hack on, but given the state of the world, you might not actually have the hardware. Or maybe you're in a place where you might not be able to afford a device or hardware and you're cutting your spending. And there's a, there's a VS Code extension that was built by the Microsoft Vancouver Garage interns called the Device Simulator Express that allows you to um, be able to learn about hardware, microcontrollers, CircuitPython, all of the concepts without actually needing the device. Oh, really? Yeah. That's so cool. Yeah. So uh, the first batch of interns implemented the Circuit Playground Express, which is an Adafruit board that's pretty simple. It has LEDs, buttons, a switch, a few sensors. The last batch of interns, though, expanded on that idea, and they added support for the micro bit as well as the Adafruit Clue, which has a screen. So, I mean, they did really fantastic work. I'm I'm really impressed and um I think folks should check it out. Oh, definitely. I'm totally going to check this out and play with it. Because there's I mean, even if you even if you were going to order it and even if you did order it, you might want to get started before you get the hardware in the mail. And working Oh, these pictures look great though. Uh it looks like a really cool thing. Uh I yeah. definitely need to try that. Um, and I was just actually thinking that uh, one of my excuses for trying to do um, so last year we got we got uh, Circuit Playground Expresses right or something. Mm-hmm. Adafruit yeah. gave out uh, Microsoft gave out something last year. These little circle things, right? Um, yeah, they um, there we were giving some kits out at the Microsoft booth, and then Adafruit put one into everyone's swag bag. Yeah, that's it. So I so I ended up with two of them because of that because I went. Did, did the demo thing and and that was a really cool gift um or giveaway or whatever the the little adafruit box totally fun um yeah. but i haven't had a i haven't i've uh actually not tried not had much time to play with it but if i convince myself to do like live streaming or twitching or something i might be able to mm-hmm. uh come up with some time that's a good idea anyway cool um, but, uh, how do you, how, you, what got you started with this? I mean, you got started with, you've been doing like interactive hardware and software for a while. How did this start yeah. with you? Uh, so I started a, a few years ago using Arduino and Teensy, um, and writing, writing Arduino code, which is kind of a, a variant of, um, C++. And it it was fun. I, re- I really like wearables and wearable electronics. So figuring out ways to just adorn something with LEDs or, or doing costuming. Uh, but CircuitPython, I, I think I discovered that maybe two years ago now. Uh, it just, it made everything a lot easier. It, it's not quite as fast or performant, but the concepts are a lot easier to follow. Uh, Adafruit puts out really nice libraries for their boards, and um, it just 
It's a lot faster to write, at least for me, already being familiar with Python. People time-wise, it's super fast to get started, especially with the interaction with the uh, um, with code editors and stuff. And it's mm-hmm. pretty, it's pretty fast to get started. It's cool. Love it. Also, the community is really nice. Oh yeah. This episode is brought to you by Python Morsels. There's a difference between code that gets the job done and code that's clean, maintainable, and something you're proud of. But to get there, you have to practice. Imagine that you had a Python expert that could spend some time with you every week for practice. They'd give you a simple code challenge and let you try it, and after you worked on it for a bit, sit down and pair program with you, starting with a simple solution and then refining it into a thing of beauty. That's really kind of what the experience is like with Python morsels. But instead of in-person sessions, they're through email so you can practice and learn at your own pace. If you want to improve your coding style and expand your Python knowledge, and especially if you need to fit it into an already busy schedule, I strongly recommend trying out Python Morsels. Go to testingcode.com morsels and get your first month for free. Let's talk about terminal prompts. Yeah, my prompt is uh, pretty tricked out and it's nicely styled and... Uh, fortunately or unfortunately, every time I live stream or do a demo or give a talk where um, I'm showing my terminal, half the questions end up being, how did you do that? Uh, in, in fact, there's already a comment on my, on my PyCon talk that's like, how did you do the autocomplete? Um, so I need to, I, I'm in the process of writing a blog post about my setup um, and to, to sum things up, I use, uh, oh my ZSH and Z shell and okay. yeah, it's not, it's not just snazzy for, uh, aesthetics. I also have quite a few things set up for productivity. One being, um, syntax highlighting in my terminal prompt. I just set that up a few weeks ago and I love it. Oh, wow. What does that mean? Yeah. So if I type a command that is invalid, it will turn red before I even hit enter. Oh, wow. That's cool. Right? I like it. I, wanted, I want that. Yeah, it's super nice. I also have indications for my Git repositories. So if I have code that, you know, if I have untracked files or commits that aren't pushed, I see indications of that. Um, so is it, and, is it, yeah. I know that Z shell is, uh, I tried it like, maybe a decade ago. So uh, mm-hmm. I, I guess I need to try it again. Um, is oh my Z shell uh, on top of Z shell or is it, mm-hmm. or is it a replacement? Okay. So it's on. Yeah. It's on top of it and it provides support for theming and plugins and a lot of customization. Okay. And, and is this available for pretty much all platforms or is it just a uh, Mac thing or. And for Linux as well. Okay. Or, you know, Windows subsystem for Linux, whatever Linux-like shell you're using. Okay. Um, yeah. Neat. I yeah. Want, I want to but, do that. So what, what, what do you have, like, uh, so I mentioned that I've got, like, uh, so I've seen people put their, I put my, what virtual environment I'm in. Um, I've uh, seen people do, um, have it, have the branch that they're working on also. Mm-hmm. Things like that. Um, yeah. I don't know how to do that though. So 
Well, you're going to have to read the blog post. <laughs> and and it will be out by the time the podcast is out. So everyone okay. who's listening can check the show notes. So I, I, can't re- I haven't read it yet because it doesn't exist yet, but we'll put it in the show notes. Yeah. I'm excited. It's nice. Yeah, I have tab complete set up for everything, not just files and directories, but commands and flags as well. And then I have a lot of automation. Okay. So this is, that's... Uh... The, the autocomplete, I don't, I've, I've been intrigued by people able to use that too. So I know that some tools already have autocomplete in there, but having more of them around is a, it would be cool. Yeah, it's uh, nice. Then you don't have to memorize the stuff. But uh, uh, one of the things I was curious about, so some, uh, do you have um, uh, the, the VI mode so that you do J and K through your history? No, I'm a I'm an Emacs fan. Okay, so the default is often the Emacs, which I don't even know. Mm-hmm. Is it the arrows or something? Uh, so if you want to do a quick search through your history, it's Command R for backwards, and then Command S for forwards. Or sorry, Control Control R and Control S. Okay, I'm not even going to memorize that because it's not me. But the um, but do you use Emacs then? <laughs> Uh, I used Emacs for a long time. Okay. These days, I use VS Code with Emacs key bindings. Oh, you do you do do Emacs key bindings on VS Code? Mm-hmm. Okay, interesting. Yeah. So I've had people ask me like um, they ask me if I why I use uh, I use uh, both PyCharm and VS Code off and on, um, but the but it's all they're just all VI because I do VI mm-hmm. key bindings for both of them. Um, nice. So. It's just an IDE that's a nice wrapper around VI as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> <laughs> so, but uh, uh, Emacs plus VS Code, that's an interesting one. I didn't know you could do that. Um, so Yeah, just, just for editing and, you know, yeah, moving around. Yeah, well, I mean, it's hard to unlearn that. Once you, if you've been programming for decades with all those key sequences, it's hard to, I mean, and why would you want to try to unlearn that? Uh, right. It's works. So um, anyway, the, uh, the, one of the things I, except for whenever I'm trying, I have to write a, um, like an email in outlook or something like that. It, it does. I wish <laughs> that outlook had outlook had uh, VI key bindings. Um, so that would be cool. There, there's an app. I've never tried it for VI key bindings, but there is an app called uh, carabiner that allows you to, uh, set up some global Emacs shortcuts for your Mac. Um, and then some Emacs shortcuts work in Mac by default. I believe control A to go to the start of the line and control E to go to the end of the line work out of the box. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. That's a cool idea. I just had to recently, I've been swapping back and forth with uh, Windows and Mac so often re- recently using the same keyboard. That I um I had to remap the uh the command key and the control key for mm-hmm. um on my Mac so that I could I don't have to memorize two series of copy and paste commands. Um, but I have uh, I have my caps lock key remapped to control. That's a that's an Emacs thing. Okay, yeah. Well, I've got uh one of one of the central keys remapped to escape which is a vi thing because the, mm-hmm. the little tiny escape key in the bot in the corner is just not good enough 
Um, but anyway, um, nerd topics. Uh, <laughs> <clears throat> well, now how about self quarantine self care? Yeah. What does that mean? I I don't know. I, how are you holding up? <laughs> well, I'm loving it. I actually so um uh I'm I, the working at home is great. Um, I used to work like uh three miles away from. I used to work three miles away from my house and now it's, and it was like 10 minute drive. And I used to joke that if traffic was bad, it was 12 minutes. Um, but, uh, now it's like 45 minutes to get to work and then like an hour to get back, which, uh, mm-hmm. I don't like, um, cause we moved out to Hillsboro, but the, uh, uh, working at home, uh, the commutes like, uh, I just have to make sure I'm awake by the time I get downstairs to, to sit at the computer. And I love it. Um, the kids are pretty good. I've, my kids are old enough to where they're not, uh, they're pretty much on their own. Um, but there's, it's, it's nice to be able to around, around to do a, be a referee once in a while. Um, <laughs> and, uh, but the, uh, they are probably, they're having not much fun because they're, they're work. They're not used to having school be on a computer. And yeah. so that's tough. Um, but, um, I've got, and I'm, I'm fortunate enough to have a, fairly big chunk of yard so um Mm -hmm. i can even if i don't leave my own property i can get outside and stuff Um, that is lucky but uh but how about you well i've worked from home for a few years now so that hasn't really changed for me what has changed though is uh so i have asthma and I've been taking a lot of extra precautions, so I haven't even gone to the grocery store or anything like that. I've been lucky enough to be able to get my my groceries delivered. Um, so a side effect of that is that every day has become Blur's Day. Yes. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah. So are you not taking, you don't do very much different on the weekends then? It just sort of blends together? I don't know. I guess, you know, on the weekends, it's it's housework now or you know some relaxing i guess but it's it's not enough to differentiate from my usual work week and so i feel like my work weeks have just been blending into each other <laughs> yeah yeah definitely feel that um yeah how about so, I'm, uh, yeah. how about like personal interaction stuff yeah i live with a partner okay so uh We've been uh, annoying each other. <laughs> we moved in together in March, and it, it's still kind of new. But yeah, you know, we we mostly get along, and and I'm glad to have the support. <laughs> uh, we are cooped up together. Um, but I think last week, I I don't know how days or or times work anymore. Uh, I had a friend who had to pick something up, and so. I left it on my stoop and I waved at her from about 10 feet away while she was in the driveway. And that was, I think, the most interaction I've had with somebody else in a while. That, that was real exciting. Uh, we've, um, we live on a cul-de-sac. So uh, we occasionally, one of the neighbors have a fire pit. They have a metal fire pit. They'll drag out to the middle of the cul-de-sac and then people can be outside and yell at each other. From far away. Anyway, the burbs are an interesting thing. Yeah, that's hysterical. I I will definitely say that I feel so grateful to have a job at the moment and have a role where I can successfully work remotely. Because I know a lot of people 
I haven't been quite so lucky. Yeah, I'm very grateful for that too. I wonder how it's going to change the landscape when lockdown is over, because I know a lot of companies were you know, very against remote work and said that the company wouldn't be able to continue with remote workers and collaboration would collapse and all of that. But, you know, it seems like that's not actually happening and people are mostly as or even more productive than they were in the past because they don't have to commute. And I wonder how it's going to change the landscape because I feel like the folks who are not supportive might have uh, lost some of their arguments. My prediction is there's going to be a lot of people that are going to do like two or three days at home that they never did before. Um, uh, There's, there's still some benefit to to personal interaction, but there's also, there's downside. I mean, uh, uh, it'll be interesting to see if companies, more companies embrace it. Um, Yeah. Wouldn't it be great if, Traffic kind of died down permanently. <laughs> yeah, or or you could hire anybody from anywhere in the world and and mm-hmm. and not have to depend on them to be wanting to move to wherever your company is. Uh, right. So, yeah. Anyway, we'll see. Uh, uh, hopefully, it'll change. Well, it was so fun to uh, to get uh, to get caught up on what everything you're up to and. Um, I'm going to definitely check out your Twitch stream and looking forward to the, um, the weekly guest interactive chat things. I think that'll be a lot of fun. Um, so cool. We'll keep in touch. And yeah. Really looking forward to, to setting that up. <laughs> and thank you for um, being on the show. Yeah. Thanks for having me as usual. Thank you, Nina, for that fun discussion. Thank you, configcat.com for sponsoring. ConfigCat feature flag service lets you release features faster with less risk. And thank you Python Morsels for sponsoring. Level up your Python skills with challenges and expert advice. And thank you to listeners that support the show through Patreon. Join them by going to testandcode.com support. All of those links and links to the items we talked about in the show are in the show notes at testandcode.com 115. That's all for now. Now go out and test something. <laughs>